Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today. I I can't wait to share it with you. But before I do, I would love to give a big thank you to my latest Patreon subscribers. Let me look it up. Whoa, we are up to $737 a month and 256 of you are subscribers. That's pretty awesome. So thank you, Hannah F., Amanda S., Elizabeth F., Danny M., Alexandra K., Angela C., CJ, Haley H., Carrie M., Julie L. Wow, you guys, this is a lot. That's it. Okay, that's all of them. Thank you so much, you guys. I know why you joined, because you wanted to hear the scoop. Well, everybody, we're going to get to the scoop. The scoop is going to happen in this interview, so here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I have with me fast-talking celebrity Lauren Pritchard. Hey, hi. Uh, I'll say that without screaming, Lauren Pritchard. I hope it's okay if I start to really quickly. <laughs> Because you should start with all your backstory because I need to hear everything. No, start. But I want to start by thanking you <gasps> on behalf of all the women and men and people of all that are trying to have kids because I accidentally spied you in an audition. Oh. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if you remember me sitting. I was literally sitting directly in front of you what? at Ross Lacey. And you still had like a little bit curly hair. It was right when you're finishing like the second Bachelorette, I think. Oh my gosh. And you were just starting sperm cast and some people were talking about it. And I was just starting my infertility oh my situation at the same time. And I I kind of like waved at you, but I was like, she doesn't really remember me. Shit. I don't think she recognizes me. And I was listening, and then that night I tuned in. And so you have been with me every step of the way, and it has meant... I'm already going to cry. And I'm oh only starting because I'm a cryer. Oh my God, it Lord, has I'm meant, so honored. I, I just can't even tell you because I felt so lonely and so freaked out. And having someone who's like me, because I feel like we're very similar people. Oh my and uh, it, it just helped so much to have someone I can listen to going through the same thing at the same paces and making fun of it and having educating us and just not feeling like it's bad to talk about because I wasn't telling anybody because I was so freaked out and oh. ashamed and all those things and you made it okay for me to start telling people oh. and then I found out there's more people around me that are going through it so now I'm gonna cry thank you on behalf of everyone for how brave you are for doing this <laughs> and how important it's really important you're making a big difference in the world and I hope you know that oh thank you so much <laughs> you really did make me cry I didn't know I was gonna cry today. oh god and because of you, I looked up your clinic and then accidentally went to the wrong one. So we'll <gasps> talk about that in a second. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> and you had Nicole on your podcast and Frank, who are Mad TV family. I did Mad TV with Nicole. So now you're my third Mad TV person. Yeah. Who else can I get on the show? Oh, Can boy. you get me Keegan? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so just get Keegan on there. See what, just throw everybody at you. Okay, we went off track. Okay. Okay. My listeners are probably dying to hear. 
what's happening and if anything's happening. So let me uh, take it back. It was Friday, yesterday. I was down at Fire Drill Fridays. I had never heard of this. Had you? I had not heard of it. And thank you for going on behalf of all of us who are working to not be able to go. <laughs> yeah. So Jane Fonda does this thing. I didn't even realize it. But She's like 81? Okay. Jane Fonda started Fire Drill Friday in fall 2019. Each Friday, she hosted actions on Capitol Hill demanding the political leaders take action against climate change and the climate emergency that we're facing. Starting this last Friday and on the first Friday of every month moving forward, Fire Drill Fridays and Jane Fonda and all of them now partnered with Greenpeace will be hosting actions in different cities across the country. So go look that up. Fire Drill Friday. See if there's one coming to your city soon. Okay, bye. It was nice, beautiful, sunny day. And I, I was trying to distract myself because I knew that call would be coming. And then, and then I saw the call. And I said, do I answer it or do I wait for a message? And so I go to the edge of the crowd and it's like really loud. But I'm also by the street. So there's, you know, downtown street noises. And it's Dr. Chung. And I can tell by her voice, everybody, that it wasn't the best news. But it's not 100% bad news. But it's not going to be. <laughs> is that your first beta? This was my first beta. So, okay. but. I did have a little HCG in the system, mm-hmm. 5.98, terrible number, <laughs> tiny, tiny. So she thinks it's probably going to be a chemical pregnancy. Yeah. In case you don't remember what a chemical pregnancy is, it's basically when an embryo implants correctly, but just something's not right, probably a chromosomal abnormality, and the body's like, no, we're not going to do it. And so it's a very, very early miscarriage. It usually happens to people, and they don't even know it because you just get your period. It's usually that early. So when you take a pregnancy test, you're testing for HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, and my level was 5.98 on day nine. But on day 10, according to my doctor, she would expect my HCG to be at about 100. HCG is supposed to double every 24 to 48 hours. So regardless of what happens, I'm way, way, way behind. It's possible my HCG could go up, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a healthy pregnancy. Also, if it goes up, but it goes up slowly each time I have a blood test, then there's a chance that it could be an ectopic pregnancy. So we just have no idea at this point. Oh, boy. So I go back on Monday to see what's happened. And I hadn't taken any pee tests, but when Lauren got here, she used the bathroom and saw that there were two pee tests in there. Well, after that, I just wanted to, after I got the call from Dr. Chung, I wanted to just see what, if anything showed up on this test. The one last night, nothing showed up, but today something did show up, which is going to give me false hope. I know. Oh, it's the tiniest. There is the tiniest. Did you it's faint? Did, yeah, there's you a could faint see little. It? Yeah, it's oh, a faint you little. Son of a bitch. It's a faint little sign. I know. Did you, did you pick up my piece? I did not touch your piece, Dick. You but could. I, you're allowed. I looked right at it because it's right by the flusher. You know, you know which end goes. I know which in end the goes in and which one goes in your hand. I didn't. I didn't want to contaminate the samples. <laughs> With my very non-pregnant hands. So I continued to test my pee for the rest of the weekend. So I tested Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and this morning, Monday morning. And the line got a tiny, 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 tiny bit darker each day. Maybe even lighter today than it was yesterday. And I went in for my blood test this morning. And I'll find out the results by the end of this episode. So stick around. So you already knew this. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Well, it's because it's the not knowing days as well that just like, ugh. Yeah, and I really, I was prepared for um, 
Yeah, we're going to have wind chimes. They're aggressive, but it, I like it. Oh, They're, I'm aggressively comfortable and relaxed. <laughs> I'm aggressively relaxing. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, they go, they can get intense. When the spirits come. Yes. <laughs> They're here. Do you guys want to come in? Come have, on in, guys. <laughs> oh, my plan for getting a negative was to go to fucking hot yoga. Nice. Because you can't do that when you're pregnant, and I love hot yoga. Oh, bless your heart. Well, mm. I couldn't do that. Because I, there's still a possibility. You never, yeah, gotta wait. You gotta wait one more day. I had the same thing. I was like, when can I start drinking again? Because this is very important to me to know exactly when I can have a mouthful of Pinot Grigio or Sauvignon Blanc or Margarita. So I, I was like waiting with like open container. Yeah. I couldn't do the hot yoga. So I decided to watch the Democratic debates. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> the hot yoga of the mind. It was, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. And I also ordered Thai food. Oh, good. And then I watched hours of um, TV. Great. I had that's a great, so nice. great Friday night. That's oh, except off. my ex-boyfriend, who you all might remember from episode like 29 or something, way back in the first season, he texts me and says, I'm moving to Newport Beach tomorrow. He's moving in with his 23-year-old girlfriend. And he's probably 42? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 42. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe she's 24 by now. I'm not sure. Okay. I and still I wanted I... to say to him, have fun uh, getting pregnant on the first try, you motherfucker. Accidentally from across the room when you sneeze. <laughs> and it just shoots into her vagina. And I'm just so... I'm, and so I, I was having all of this anger last night. Yeah, I've got Spanx not... in my closet older than her. <sighs> Screw that. That but is I, so lame. But I don't have feelings for him or anything like that. It's just a resentment. It's the in general feelings it's, of yeah. youth. Yeah. I'm jealous of her being so young. Mm-hmm. So that started to build up a little last night, but then it went away. And then this morning I woke up and my one of my best friends texted... Um, here's the address of Sky Zone for the birthday. <laughs> and I knew I was going to my best friend's child's birthday today, but I forgot that I was at Sky Zone. Mm-hmm. And it's in Anaheim. Oh, no, no. Long story short, I, I ended up having a weepy morning and t- telling her I couldn't go. Then her brother called me and was like, Molly, you just need to stay positive. And I was mm-hmm. like, you can't fucking say that shit to me. I, I am fucking positive. I can be You're sad so every now and again. Anyway, I got I, I got real sad. Then I texted my brother and I asked him if he would go hiking with me, mm. and he did. And we That's had a nice. great hike. That's great. You're so healthy. You're so healthy with the hiking and the exercise and the well. I can't clean drink because my stomach's fucked up. Right. Mm. Have you gotten that? Uh, this is for another time. But have you gotten that officially like allergy tested and all that stuff? I've had all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Later. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, there's okay. So much to cover. Anyway. Okay. We get it. Oh my god, it's so much, and it's okay. so um, it's so overwhelming. And there is no right answer, and there is no one who can go like, "This is how you do it," and "This is how you do it," because you've done everything by the book and everything the way you're supposed to, and mm-hmm. you've been so healthy and taking such good care of yourself and following all the rules. And everyone is so different. Like everyone's exactly the same in our feelings, mm-hmm. but everyone is so different as far as bodies and what works for you, and what doesn't work for you, and how the different approaches you take. And and man, everyone is so awesome for trying because <laughs> it's so much. Yeah. it's just so much. And I had no idea. And I feel terrible. I wish I could go back in time to my few friends I knew a few years back that were going through it. And I kept going, yes. like, stop trying. Don't even worry. My mom. Because yeah. my old, my parents couldn't have kids for a while. And so she had so many miscarriages. They finally adopted my oldest sister. Wow. And then, of course, had four natural kids right afterwards. What? Because back in the day, they were like, well, after a few years, if you can't have babies, just adopt. And so they did. And then she was, you know, cranked out four kids, including me at 38. So I was like, okay, I know I come from a history of having a hard time. So I was like, you guys, why don't you relax and stop trying and happen oh my god you're an asshole i know because i didn't know because it was 10 years no, ago i, I didn't know stuff like that too 
And my own gynecologist told me that. He was like, oh, just relax. You Everything's by the book down here. You're great. Just relax. And he's old. And he's like, just stop. Just stop trying and you'll be fine. <sighs> Makes me so furious that people in the industry even say that. That yeah. is ridiculous yeah. to me. Okay, well, we need to know what, what your okay. story is. And I know it's long <sighs> and complicated, but I... It's not too bad, luckily. I mean, oh, there's okay. people you who have told so me much you're going to have so much to race oh. through. But I want to hear all of it well, because before you have to leave. The so. similarity you and I had is I'm that I'm... looking at this. I'm just telling you. We oh. have... 45 minutes. Oh, psh, I can tell it nine times. I talk. <laughs> All right. No, um, I think you and I are in a similar boat that I didn't have anyone to inseminate me mm-hmm. for all of my childbearing years, mm-hmm. pretty much. I had um, very long-term boyfriends, and I had like a five-year long-term boyfriend, and then um, he definitely didn't like me, and we uh, broke up, and he immediately married one of my friends and had two kids right away, oh even God. though he never wanted kids with me. And oh then um, then right after him, I got into a very abusive, abusive relationship, which really surprised me, because I'm smart and cool and independent gal, and yeah. I couldn't believe I'd found myself in that situation, and he lived with me, and it was really scary. And uh, this is right I'm before nine so eleven. Thanks, but, uh, thank you. Uh, but right, we broke up right before nine eleven uh, wow. happened, and Where were um, you? I was here in L.A. and by myself. And it was by it was my first time because I moved out with my five year boyfriend, so it was my first time oh. being alone for the first time. Wow. And it was my first year in L.A. And I showed him. I immediately gained 100 pounds to protect myself <laughs> from that happening again. And I didn't even see it happening. It was, it was happening during the relationship. And by the time we broke up, I was up over 200 pounds. <gasps> and it just kept going and going and going. I got up to about 245 and kind of hovered around there oh my for 15 years. And wow. when you're... Um, now, things have changed. In the last five years, I will say, things have really changed uh, with friends of size, is my way of saying mm. ladies who and men who are a little bit overweight. But being over a hundy for most of my life in LA proved to be very detrimental to my dating scene mm. because lots of guys liked me. Lots of guys wanted to hang out secretly with me. <gasps> lots of guys were into my jam secretly, oh but no guys were confident enough to date me publicly. And it was heartbreaking. And I was also protecting myself, so I'd never do anything fully nude. I would do mostly oral because I was so self-conscious of my body and oh freaked out gosh. that they would leave me if they ever saw me in my shame of weight. Um, which is a lot of information to suddenly say oral in the middle of a beautiful afternoon. I love oral. <laughs> well, there you go. Because <laughs> no, you're in control and you say what goes. And then guys... Wait a minute. I'm not saying I... <laughs> I love I love bad words. Oral. Okay, you love the I mean, word oral. Oral's great. Whatever. Oral's great. I'm not talking about my uh, oh, yeah. my opinions. Yeah, but no one gives a blowjob like a plus-size girl. Just saying. Because, <laughs> you know, we're in control and I can wear my sweater and look adorable. Anyway, um... And yeah, that, but that was me for, you know, 15 years in LA and uh, there were so many guys I liked and they would literally say like, gosh, I want to meet a girl just like you one day. Oh my God. But not you. You're a friend. Like, yeah, there was a lot of like secret um, relationships, but never anything public until I was around 38 and one of my friends was like, you should definitely meet my friend Joe. And at this point I was like, nope. And I was also weird when I got on Mad TV, I had a few guys come out of the woodwork. They're like, can you get me on the show? Which was lame. Ew. So. It was just a weird time. I was very self-conscious and very... I just kind of shut down. After the abusive relationship, I just kind of shut down to opening my life up to yeah. anyone seriously. And my therapist at the time, she was like, just take some time off from guys. And that became like a decade. And then, right. and then five more years, she finally was like, please start dating people again. Anyway, uh, one of my coworkers at Comedy Sports yes. was like, hey, my buddy came to see a show. Uh, they worked together at a law school. He was his boss at a law school. And he was like, he saw your headshot and asked who you were and said you were really cute. And I was like, oh, well, that's just my head. Oh, if he sees my whole body. <laughs> and so friends kind of... So so many, we had so many friends in common that were kind of pushing us together. Finally, we met, and I thought he was so cute, and he was going to come to my New Year's Eve party in January of 2010. And then, boom, he started dating a hot, leggy blonde that was, like, ridiculous and not me in 100% of the way. Wow. Uh, and then they had a tumultuous relationship, and I just waited in the sidelines, like, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. And then finally, we met again, and he asked me out in front of, in front of a bunch of people, which was... The, 
the first time I'd been asked out publicly and with people around and there's hot girls all around him and he's like, hey, I'd like to take you out sometime. And I literally went, yeah, look me up on Facebook. Check you later. I literally said, check you later and then ran out of the bar. Oh my God. And left my credit card open. I just drove all the way home and I was like, shit, I left my credit card open. Oh God. And then I'd go all the way back and sneak in oh and close God. out and then run back out again. Ah, um, and then I feel like I would do the same exact Thing. So Joe and I met, and but we met, we were both messed up. Oh, first of all, so on our very first date, I right away was like, he was really sick. He was going to cancel a date, but he's like, no, I'm going to do it. So he was really, really sick and mm-hmm. snotting at Don Cuco's, the best restaurant in all of LA. <laughs> and I was really nervous. And right away, I was like, look, do you do you actually want to be friends? I don't know what's going on. And he's like, he's like, no. And oh, right when I came in the restaurant, he jumped up and hugged me and said, you look so pretty. And again, I just never experienced, because like you, I would just be friends with a guy. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of start dating for a little bit because we're improv friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I went on a date with a stranger stranger who mm-hmm. thought I was really pretty in a long time. It was yeah. really refreshing, really awesome. So we talked for a long time and uh, we had kind of a tumultuous start because he was kind of unsure. He was still kind of dating that other girl. Things were a little bit confusing for him and he just wasn't in the place to be there yet. Mm-hmm. And I was also still very, very big and struggling with that. And we were just trying to kind of figure out where we were. And I think we both had a lot of addictions that kind of kept us, kept people away, mm-hmm. you know? And so we both had a lot of self-work to do as we kind of move forward in our relationship. And after about two years of dating, his roommate, who was 40 years old, got pregnant. And so he was like, see, we can wait because she's 40 and has a baby. So he always had the back of his mind that we had till 40 to have babies. Mm-hmm. So we slowly uh, then moved in together after about a year and a half. And then we've been together ever since. And then uh, things were great. And we've both worked on ourselves a lot. And in 2015, uh, we went to a couple's counseling where I had said, like, well, my weight, I was kind of talking about his problems he needed to work on. And he was like, well, your weight also affects me. And I was like, what? Because mm-hmm. he never mentioned my weight before. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was really cool that he was brave enough to date a girl who was between I would bounce around between 250 to 315 like bouncing what? in that area and he never cared he never once made me feel fat I don't he never think mentioned of you it. like that uh, if you we'll see some pictures in the past you'll be like okay. all right oh my but gosh. he he never mentioned it never commented he always thought it was beautiful and made me feel beautiful and it was never an issue but he finally said it is an issue because you feel unhealthy a lot uh-huh. you cry a lot you have a hard time getting ready you feel self-conscious a lot you blame it on a lot of things we run late a lot because I couldn't find outfits that would work and I was that starting to sense. have yeah I was starting to wheeze a lot I had a lot of female problems like my period was being weird a lot of coughing and breathing and asthma problems and so it was starting to affect us and my family is dying of obesity like my whole family has weight related illnesses or just unhealthy related illnesses wow and so my brother was diagnosed with diabetes and was very sick at this point in 2015. And so to avoid getting diabetes and just to make I, my whole body hurt all the time, um, I always thought I was beautiful in some way. And I worked so much more as a plus size person. As a yeah. plus size person, I was booking all the time. Ugh. I knew my my role as a plus size person because uh, I was booking like crazy at this point. Yeah. But it was time and uh, I talked to my doctor and he was like, look, because I had yo-yoed a bunch of times with Joe. I'd lost 75 pounds and gained it back, lost 75 pounds, gained it back like four times. I even lost 100 pounds at one point gained it back like I was losing tons of weight and gaining it back I gained it back so fast um, so my doctor finally said I've known you now for 15 years I think that you should get this weight loss surgery he showed it to me and then one of my close friends at work said my wife just got that and it's amazing trust me go for it I researched it you have to go through therapy before you get it mm-hmm. so I finally decided on the vertical sleeve gastrectomy which you is um basically means they cut your stomach from the size of an eggplant to the size of a b- banana and they remove part of your stomach. They just cut out a part of your stomach and sew it back up so you could eat about a cup, cup and a half at a time and that's it. Oh my So it just prevents gosh. overeating. And, and um, <laughs> oh, uh, gastric sleeve what? Yes. Gastric, uh, vertical sleeve <laughs> gastrectomy or VSG. 
at 38, the same time I was going through those weight issues, I went to the doctor and I got all of my levels tested because I was like, I know I want to start having kids and this is the age my mom had me. Uh-huh. So I want to see how much time I have and if I can even have kids. Right. So I went to my gynecologist and specialist and they said, oh my gosh, you have a huge follicle reserve. You have huge AMH a- levels. Uh-huh. Your uterus is perfect. Uh-huh. There's no reason you can't have a ton of kids. You have a ton of eggs. So I was like, great, I've got some time. That's awesome. Yeah. They're like, you have so many eggs. It's ridiculous. Like they, they checked it all out and they're like, you have a huge reserve. So my 40th birthday, um, one of my presents to myself, if I lost the weight, which I did a 140 pounds within a year Holy which shit. was literally Amazing. like a, a per, I, I, you and some more people is what I lost basically oh my basically. god oh my um, and just me it's yeah. just one me well be like if I was just carrying you and I just set you down how that felt like just like holy oh. shit and, that's um, fucking wild it was wild your, and, your bones must be like oh so much better they were just oh aching god. everything hurt um, and there's nothing wrong with being plus size at all and some women carry it so much they just carry it so well. And I think that I carried it well. I always had an hour figure. And you can be healthy and plus healthy. size, but and you I was. weren't. You, oh, well, well, you I was, were. I was, <laughs> I was doing stunts. I was dancing. I was very active. Oh. It, I was, I'm a very active person. I exercised like crazy. I ate pretty healthy. It, it was just that my body wouldn't lose weight at the same pace as everyone else, or I'd gain it back really quickly. So I actually was pretty healthy. My cholesterol was low. All my levels were good. I, on paper, didn't look fat, just in, on the scale I was. It's and really weird. I know we have so much more of this story. To, we haven't even started the fertility journey yet, yeah. but I just want want to understand how so you think it was the surgery yes. the amount of food that you were eating the, the secret to ver- the weight loss surgery is not the surgery it's that you eat less and exercise more like that's the whole secret yeah but if you deal with addiction food is alcohol uh, overeating is the same right. as alcoholism right. it's uh, so i went to oa as well right. um to deal with those issues so like i needed peanut was, butter anonymous oh my gosh because i can't Stop. That I have to hide it from my husband. Is, I'm, I'm not making light of your No, thing, it's true. But it's I true. really can't stop eating peanut butter every night. One I jar a week. Oh my gosh. Well, at least it's healthy. It's healthy fats. It's but sad. I have to hide it from my husband because he'll do the same. He'll okay. eat the whole thing like in one sitting and be like, yeah. oh, what I do? Yeah, Let's yeah, come yeah. with Oliver's mouth again. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, that was a huge thing was that the doctor was like, if you want to have a viable pregnancy, lose weight. So I was so proud of myself for taking that initiative. We went to Hawaii for my birthday, which I'd always never wanted to go to Hawaii because it's like a skinny person destination. Oh. It's like beaches and hiking and all the things and outdoor and hot. Yeah. So, and um, zip lining, I'd always wanted zip line and uh, I was always too heavy. Yeah. You have to be under 250 to zip line. Wow. And so, and they weigh you in front of everyone. Huh. So I confidently stepped on the scale. I was like, whoa, 170. Whoa. And since Amazing. then I got, I went down to 159 at one point for a wedding and, but I'd started at 318 and That's lost a bunch. So so incredible. It's crazy. So that was our first step towards and then we're like okay great so then we're like all right now i'm 40 let's start trying okay and i remember texting all my friends like all right good luck and i really thought all right i'm gonna take off the condom and then because at this point yeah that's oh, what i thought too <laughs> and we were so nervous and we were like timing it and then i was like okay that didn't work the first month so i'll do ovulation prediction kits and then of course we started into the what's going wrong so because we tried and tried and tried and tried for about six months mm-hmm. and then of course it became go to a doctor, see what's going on. So I got to my doctor, gynecologist, like, well, you need to go get this sonogram. We did that. And he was like, nope, everything is great. Now you need to go get the, you know, um, the HS, HSG? HSG, yeah. HSG Hi. test. Histosalpingogram. Um, I like that right. word. Yeah, histosalpingogram. Uh, I went and did every very painful and invasive test on me. Ugh. Every single thing you could possibly do. And then finally, after a year of trying, we wound up, I Googled your clinic. <laughs> But it wasn't the right one. Right. There is the Los Angeles Center for Reproduction. Oh. And there's the Center for Reproduction of Encino. No, mine was Los Angeles Reproductive Center. That's it. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Reproductive Center in Encino on Ventura. Mm-hmm. In the same building. <gasps> same building is the Center for Reproduction. 
Oh my Which is where I gosh. went, thinking it was your place. I remember the entire time being like, I thought the doctor's name was different. I don't know what's going on. And we met our doctors. Now, I'm still with them, so I'm not going to badmouth them at all. But I will say there has been some issues. Uh, but now we can't really afford to start over. But our first big issue was that I went in, and um, they right away were like, oh, it's because you, because you were overweight for a long time, and because you were 40. And now at this point, I'm 41. And he's like, yeah, it's because of you. So what we're going to do is just put you on Clomid right away. And I was like, do you want this guy over here? At this point, he's never been tested or anything. And they're Nothing. like, no, 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 it's never the guy. It's Come like, on. so never the guy. It's going to be you. So they put me on Clomid right away. And they said, we're just going to do a, a Clomid round. Oh, and they sent me to more testing. I had a lot more testing done. Tons of blood tests. And tons of everything tests. And your AMH at this time, how was that? Skyrocketing. It was huge. <laughs> through the roof. And so like, well, that's what they kept saying. Like, well, you have a ton of eggs. It's just probably your timing. So they made us go a temperature route and trying all the different stuff. Clomid. By the way, I work like nine jobs. I am theme oh park God. broke employee person and also actor and gig person. And we're just, we're always paycheck to paycheck and yeah. juggling. And you're going back and forth to all these appointments too. Yeah. yeah going back and forth. So <laughs> we're going through all this. And then I have to stop for a second because I'm getting ahead of myself. We uh, <laughs> During this time, I found out my father is starting to lose his memory. Okay. He hasn't been diagnosed yet officially, and my brother is getting sick with diabetes. Mm. So suddenly, Joe is like, we should get married. So we, he proposes to me. Um, during this year, we're very busy. We're working like crazy. I'm doing a gig every day. And he proposes to me. We have a very, very quick wedding ceremony planned. We're going to do one in Orlando because my family can't travel anymore because he's too old and all the things and sick. And there's a bunch of people in Orlando. Oh. And his family's in Tampa, so it's close Amazing. by. Yeah, they retired there. And then we'll do a, a friend big party here in LA but we did the entire Orlando ceremony for my dad basically because it was like we we didn't really f- care about getting married we're kind of like just like oh we can have partners and that's fine but we're like for our parents while he still remembers we should definitely get married so we really quickly in, in like a four or five month turnaround saved all the money we possibly could I took all of my savings everything I've ever made into that wedding pushed mm-hmm. it all in there and luckily Joe asked for some money from his parents which saved the day mm-hmm. and then we planned this whole chapel ceremony with my sister officiating and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting I saw my dad the night before uh, we have a little um, uh, rehearsal dinner where the parents were meeting for the, f- the second time but my dad doesn't remember the first time mm-hmm. so they're meeting again and my dad is comes out the bathroom and is lost and scared and I have to take him by the hand he goes let's practice walking and so we practice walking up and down the aisle in the restaurant and he's really really excited my mom's excited she gives me a little necklace to wear the next day which is very sweet mm-hmm. and, uh, and I could have a strange relationship with you know her but it was very sweet and um it was just a lot of work to get them out of the house. My brother Kyle drove them there, but I was like, Kyle, I don't want to overwhelm dad. So you just, you go home and come back when the dinner's over and come pick them back up again. He waited outside in the car so they wouldn't be alone. It's my brother Kyle who has the diabetes. He waited right outside the car and I felt so bad looking back now that I didn't invite him in. Um, so we have a rehearsal dinner and as we're leaving, my dad goes, wait, so what? And he kept asking for the information about the wedding over and over again. And as dinner's ending, he gets in the car and he puts against uh, the window a little notepad that says Lauren's wedding tomorrow and has a heart on it. And he puts it against the note, like the window, showing that he wrote it down so he wouldn't forget. Yeah. And I like touch the notepad and he drives off. And that was the last time I saw my dad in April because the next morning <laughs> I'm waiting at the chapel or next afternoon. Waiting, 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 waiting. And then my brother finally fall- calls and goes, dad's dying. He's not coming. Start the wedding without us. <laughs> And I'm so, sorry. Are you? Um, he didn't die though. But my brother called and said he's dying. He's not coming. And I was like, okay. So I'm literally all dressed. Oh I'm waiting. Out, and I'm waiting outside to walk up the aisle. And so the the woman, the wedding planner, goes, "I'm gonna get your phone. I'm gonna take a picture of you because you look beautiful right now, and we'll send it to your dad." And I was like, okay. So she takes a picture, and I'm starting to cry, and I'm like, tears welling up. The whole reason we were doing the Orlando ceremony was for my dad. We didn't care about getting married. We, did, we threw this whole thing together and put all this money into it for my dad mm. and for my brother. And my so my side of the church is like empty and. Because it was just a small little with all of our immediates. Yeah. And then Joe's with all of our friends. And a bunch of friends from LA surprised us and showed up, which oh, was amazing. Fun. Amazing. These friends like surprised us. So we had luckily some people from LA show up, which was so sweet. And it's like our chosen family. But my my whole front row is empty. And my sister is officiating and my other brother is playing symphony for it. Yeah, and my uh, other sister had just had her uterus removed that 
weekend. Oh so she is there, but oh. a whole bunch of pain. Oh. I'm the youngest of five. Oh um, my god! So uh, luckily, my friends like scoot up and fill up the front row, <laughs> and oh. the doors open, and I'm walking down the aisle alone, and you can see everyone's like, "What's going?" Because no one knows why I'm alone. Everyone knows I'm there for my dad. No one knows why I'm alone. No one knows why my mom isn't here. Everyone's kind of like, and I'm bawling because I'm so sad. I see Joe see me for the first time without my dad. And he's surprised. Joe doesn't know. Joe doesn't know what's going on. I don't think Joe knows. This is crazy. I'm bawling and I'm humiliated too. Like there's this level of humiliation and and uncomfortableness. And I want to go like, stop, let's just not do this. Let's let's go to the bar. This is dumb. What are we doing? So they just didn't show up. And then afterwards I called my mom crying and I was like, what's going on? And she's like, your dad collapsed he won't get up he can't move he doesn't know what's going on and basically his alzheimer's had just accelerated overnight they don't know what happened exactly but he just stopped being able to walk and was too freaked out and he didn't know he didn't understand that i was getting married he didn't understand what was going on and my parents didn't even make it to the reception we had a little reception i kept calling my mom going can i send an uber to come get you and she's like i can't leave your father and then my older brother's on the phone trying to get power of attorney and everyone's yelling and trying to get him to a hospital and everyone thinks he's dying so they're trying to like figure out the will and everything at the wedding reception oh my god they're all like yelling about my dad's probably dying we should figure out the will right now and i'm like let's make a toast like it was just (laughs) i kept running to the bathroom and crying and then coming back out and taking a deep breath and i run outside and take a deep breath and come back in and say hi to everybody it was a blur then i had to fly out that night and come back to la and go back to work and then we had an la reception thing that was really saving us because we were able to kind of redo our vows and do another like redo yeah which was so great that helped a lot so that was right before we ended up not being able to get pregnant naturally right away yeah yeah so we told them, they were like, we just got married and we're going to spend all of our honeymoon money. Instead of going on a honeymoon, we're going to spend it on this fertility. Yeah. So flashing forward to that. So then flashback to Clomid. Right. <laughs> Trying naturally. Very swollen, uh, painful, not working. Uh, didn't The natural cycle didn't work. And you know, every time you have to wait and wait and wait. And then I get yes. I got a lot of cysts. I have a little polycystic ovarian syndrome that got okay. better after weight loss. But a lot of cysts. Now, sometimes polycystic ovarian cancer, uh, not cancer. Oh, God. Sorry. Polycystic ovarian PCOS, syndrome. Yeah. Sometimes that gives you a higher AMH, right? Yes. Which could have happened. And how does, I don't know how people figure that out. Whether it's a great positive AMH or, or you have too much. Just too much hormones. Well, I think when they finally went in there and looked around and saw the amount of follicles they were like you're good okay so, yeah so i, I think when no they check follicle oh, count, they're like you have so many sense. follicles you're fine yeah okay. they, so they knew that like oh you're gonna produce a lot of eggs and amh is still high and after losing my weight uh the plastic of syndrome got much better okay. like much better okay. the cysts really shrank down and they didn't see a lot of big ones until i started doing clomid and stuff okay um yes so anyway so they now have us on or second round of clomid to do an iui okay and finally i was like joe has anyone still approached you about getting a sample and i'd even asked my doctor they're like no no no, no he doesn't need it. he doesn't need it so finally, like, joe let's just go absurd. to it's absurd right so i Finally, was like, let's go to CVS and get one of those sperm tech checkers. They have a CVS. You can just buy I one didn't for like know they had them. forty bucks. It's just a basic like yes or no. Right. Like, do you, is it like the no is kind of like inconclusive? Go to your doctor, basically. Yeah. But yes, just means like your sperm's fine. So we went and did the sperm checker, and it came up inconclusive. And I have a picture of Joe like looking at the thing, like because hmm, I take a picture of every second of my journey, and um, <laughs> it just came up inconclusive. So I finally like Joe, just go next door. We live next door to the HRC and Cino. Literally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can see them from my window. Uh-huh. So I was like, go over there tomorrow and just get your sperm tested. So they sent the sperm results to our fertility doctor who called me at work. And now at this point, we're three days away from our IUI scheduled. And the doctor goes, okay, Lauren, yes, this is, okay. So here's a deal. Just stop the clomid. So your husband has zero sperm. And I start crying. Oh, my God. And he God. goes, why are you crying? This is the wrong emotional reaction. Why are you crying? This doesn't mean anything. This what means nothing. Fuck? Why are you crying? This is this is the wrong reaction. And I was like, the wrong reaction? My husband has zero sperm. This 
definitely changes everything. He's like, well, yes. we don't know what's going on. We're going to have to send a meteorologist because zero means bad. At this time, were you still thinking this was my doctor? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> and I'm at work. Same thing. And I do, for a living, I do nine improv shows a day at Universal Studios. Oh, my God. And so I'm like, I have a 10-minute break for I to go right back on stage. So I'm like, here's zero sperm. I have to go on stage. And so basically, he's like, well, now he has to is forced to go to a urologist to find out what's going on. Okay. So that means that there's either a blockage or something worse. Right. So, uh, and also I had warned them. I was like, oh, my husband had meningitis when he was younger and that can sometimes eliminate your sperm as well. Wow. He had a vi- he almost died of meningitis when he was oh a kid. She's like, that could have affected something. I don't know. And I told him all this. They're like, no, 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 no. So then we go to urologist. The urologist takes one little boop, a poke at Joe's scrotum and goes like, oh yeah, you've got CF. Immediately is, just says CF? it. What's Cystic fibrosis, gene carrier. Oh, which you have, right? Yeah, I mean, so, a carrier. What do you mean? So he apparently, has it or, I if don't, if guys are a cystic fibrosis gene carrier, yes. they could possibly have a lack of vas deferens. Wow, the vas deferens is the slip and slide that takes sperm from inside your body down to your testicles and then into your penis. Yes. So he doesn't have that slip and slide at all. Oh, he palpitated the balls. If you touch it underneath, it's the place that you can touch when you want a guy to climax faster. Hell yeah! And you should feel like a part. giant tough vein that goes through yeah, there. That's, that's a, a vas deferens. And it has a lot that's of nerve endings. Different? It's one of those things in there, yeah. And you can push right away and it's just not there. Yeah. And they just felt it. They're like, not there. We got a second opinion, not there. I should but be then, a urologist. You should. You felt so many scrotums. <laughs> you, you know you know when one feels weird. You're like, well, something was weird. Um, Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, but then that you're all just completely scary because he's like well this could mean that you might have lung infections and kidney problems now we have to send you to go get an MRI because you might have a lack you might be missing a kidney and if you had a lot of coughing problems and I was like my husband does has had a terrible coughing and meningitis as a kid and oh my so suddenly we're on this other now everything stops we now are checking my husband out for possibly having cystic fibrosis yeah which was like at this point he's 43 he's like how am I just now learning yeah. this at 43 yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. He's like, I've been to a million doctors who've grabbed me and made me cough. Why did no one notice this before? Isn't that insane? That's insane. And why didn't I know this right when I started dating him? Because if I had known this right away, it would have changed our entire course. I would have frozen my eggs immediately or would have had kids immediately or I would have definitely slutted around real hard <laughs> and poked a ton of holes in condoms immediately. <laughs> I would have had so much unprotected sex my whole life had I known what I know now. Yes. Oh my God, don't you feel the same way? No, oh like, my God. I wish I was yes. such a slut. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, so then we had, we're on this another track, but immediately when you find out that there's zero sperm and that you have this lack of as deference, it means the only way you can get semen out is a testy procedure, which is testicular spermal extraction or a TESA, testicular spermal extraction. Is it T E S? It's T-E-S-E for extraction or T-E-S-A for aspiration, which means they can use a long needle. Um, and they have to go into the actual meat of, of the scrotum uh, and testic- testicles to get samples of sperm from the actual 
right. tissue. Right, right, right. And then they then they take it apart in a little petri dish and then find if there's any live sperm. And if there yeah. is live sperm, then they have to use ICSI because yeah. the sperm do not have their tails until they enter the vas deferens. Yeah. They grow their tails as they make their, their way to the uterus, which I did not know. They're cells. They're I just little cells. I don't think I knew that either. Yeah, so, so when they're inside the body, they're just cells. So you, yeah. it's a cell they're putting into my egg, not a sperm. That's so wild. Yeah. Lauren did a great job of explaining all of these things, but I just want to talk about one term we haven't really covered on this show before, azospermia. Azospermia is the medical condition of a man whose semen contains no sperm. In humans, azospermia affects about 1% of the male population. And there are three classifications of azospermia, pretesticular, testicular, and posttesticular. With pretesticular, you've got the immature sperm in the testicles, but there's just no hormone saying, let's go, baby, let's mature, let's grow, let's become real sperm. So if your problem is a lack of FSH, you take FSH for six months, and voila, after six months, you got normal sperm production. Anyway, it's not always FSH, it's other things with a pituitary gland that I can't remember. Pretesticular azospermia occurs in about 2% of all azospermia cases. Then there's testicular azospermia. In this situation, the testes are abnormal, atrophic, or absent, and sperm production is severely disrupted to absent. The condition is seen in 49 to 93% of men with azospermia. And then there's post-testicular azospermia, which is what Joe, Lauren's husband, has. In post-testicular azospermia, sperm is produced but not ejaculated, a condition that affects 7 to 51% of azospermic men. The main cause is a physical obstruction, obstructive azospermia, of the post-testicular genital tracts. The most common reason is a vasectomy, but other reasons would be a congenital defect, like the congenital absence of the vas deferens, which Joe had, or an ejaculatory duct obstruction caused by an infection. So we knew right away we were having to move into IVF, which I immediately had a breakdown. Yeah. And it sucks so bad. So bad. So then we had to start that procedure, which then, you know, takes so long. The timing. Yeah. We also had to make money. And so he's trying to raise his half. I'm trying to raise my half. We're like, if we can both raise 10, it'll be less daunting, of course. And luckily, crazily enough, I booked a crazy Mormon um, TV show. Get exact out of same here. time with uh, BYU TV called Show Off, which was a really funny improvised musical genre comedy show. Oh my god! It fell in my lap right before. Are you Mormon? No, not at all. But I'm Disney squeaky clean, <laughs> oh my except gosh. for this podcast. Yep. But we literally were sitting down with books, and I was like, I we can't afford it. We can't. I can't make the money. We can't afford it. And he's like, I can get my half if you can charge your half. And I was like, I still think we can afford it. And then I got a phone call. It was like, Do you want to come out here and do the show? And each episode paid just enough to cover like the next step of what we need to do at a time. Amazing. And so I just kept trying to make more and more and more. And so. So uh, I'm shooting the TV show and then I'm running back and doing constant testing and, and getting ready and there's like problems and I'm on the birth control pill and there's uh, everything they're keeping delays and then finally we lines up so we can get this, this done. I'm on my shots. Everything's going along honky dory. I'm in uh, Utah and I get a phone call saying your brother had a seizure. He bit his tongue off. And your mother's in the hospital. She fell and hurt her head going to try to help him. And your father's also in the hospital for Alzheimer's related fall where he got a massive concussion. They were all in the hospital at the same time for falls mm. and horrible things. I was like, crap. And so I had to come home. And then uh, I called my brother on March 10th and talked to him. And he's like, I'm, he's kind of trying to talk with his phone on tongue. He's like, I'm really worried. I don't know what's going on. My diabetes just, is getting yeah. worse. He's on dialysis for diabetes at this point. It's really affecting him mentally. He's really lost touch with reality really badly. He's seeing things. It's really, really oh, bad. Wow. And he is very sick at this point. My dad has severe Alzheimer's, is not in the home at this time. He's now staying with my sister, who's a nurse. And my mom is at home alone with a, like a concussion and freaking out. And then um, 
things going okay. I'm doing a podcast for hoo ha ha, and oh. I turn my phone on after the podcast, and my phone has a 911 break in on it. What does that mean? And it means that 911 can like break in, like you can call and be like, someone needs to get a hold of her. Can you break in through airplane mode or something? Oh. It looks red. I've never seen it before. And so I have a thousand calls from my home. I turned to my partner, Kelly, my improv partner, and she was like, go to your car, check your messages. Cause I was like, oh, oh, oh. like I knew, I, I thought my dad, it's my dad, cause he has Alzheimer's. He fell, he had a best of concussion. I go to my car and I listen, and my mom just goes, Kyle, your brother, he's dead. Call us. So I'm in shock. I have to drive to go teach an improv workshop, and then I have a show that night. So I'm driving to teach an improv workshop, and um, oh my god, because I don't know what else to do, and I'm in shock. Called the airline, and they made me pull over. They were very sweet, and they got me an airline ticket right away. And they were like, "You should bring your husband." They were amazing. They were amazing. So then my sister calls me, and she's like, "Are you ready? Do you want to say goodbye to Kyle?" And I was like, "Okay." And she calls me on Facetime with my dead brother's face, which I was not expecting, not expecting to see him. And what had happened was he had had a seizure and fell out of bed and broke his neck. Oh, no. And bled out upside down with a broken neck. So it was sudden and horrible and in tragic. In the hospital? It at home. After he got back from the yeah, episode, episode. With his tongue. And he's the only one taking care of my parents at home at this point. He's I'm their so main care. I mean, I did, I did know about this oh, um, oh, wow, really? from, from a post. I think oh, that you yeah, posted yeah. after he passed. I did, yeah. And and I and I just thought, and I think I must have known that you were going through fertility stuff too. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Because I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I know. Sake, I was like, Jesus. Woman. Yeah. So um, then, so then I. I'm just so sorry. Oh, thank you. Well, it was it was all very sudden and very tragic. And he was the one taking care of my parents. So that sent us also another tailspin of who's going to take care of our parents now. And he was definitely the closest to them. So then, but I'm literally supposed to have I'm supposed to do an egg retrieval that month. So then I asked my doctor like, what do I do? And he's like, stop everything, freeze whatever medicine you have, or you know, refrigerate it. Let's give you a month to go bury your brother and come back. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. God. Okay, so I go bury my brother and I come back and they're like, okay, are you ready to restart? I was like, yeah, I think I am. Uh, so I'm starting up again and then I go back. So now I go back once a month every year or, or oh. for the, since March of last year until yeah. now I go back once a month to help take care of my family except for those two months that I take off for fertility treatments. Yeah. I went back again in April and cleaned out his room because it was full of blood and things that happen to a human body after it's been sitting there and my parents are too sick to do it. So I'm trying to go fertility treatments. I'm wearing a mask and cleaning up a biohazard situation oh and we're trying to pick it up as much as we can to help them save money before bringing in a crew to actually officially clean it yeah. and we you know tear up the carpet ourselves. and i'm wearing this mask and i, I keep po- actually poking myself with um diabetes lances the little needles because oh as, as he fell over he took him down with him so his whole oh um his like uh you know sh- uh, his biohazard, kit, box? biohazard box fell over and oh, so they were all over Lord. the carpet and they're really tiny and i keep pricking myself with them going oh god i'm probably getting hepatitis or something i don't know what's going on it was just um getting my dad ready for the funeral since my dad has Alzheimer's we had to keep reminding him over and over again that my brother died because he can't remember and as I put him in his suit and my I was putting him in a suit and he only knows that that suit he bought for my wedding so as I'm getting him ready he goes I'm so excited to be going to your wedding oh honey and I was like oh, it's like Joe you gotta come in here and take care of this put his tie on so like my dad kept thinking he was going oh. to our wedding all the way to the funeral and then when he got to the funeral he realized what was going on it was just oh, such God. a mess and meanwhile Joe and I are going through fertility treatments I'm all swollen from all the shots and things that I'm on and I haven't told my family because we're going through they're going through so much and so it's like all this is happening at the same time it's so nuts it's so nuts so um when I came back for that cleaning out his room, I was like, we need to take a month off because I feel like a lot's going on. And I drank while I was at the funeral. I totally drank. I just stopped and just started drinking. So I was like, we have to take a month and then rebuild. So then we were like, okay, we're scheduled for May. On our dating anniversary, we're going to go for our retrieval. But I'm like, I'm so worried now. I've traumatized my body and my eggs and they're going to be screwed up, right? Because of the, the stopping and starting. Stopping and starting the, and the trauma. And the mental, the yeah. mental trauma. I wasn't sleeping. I was drinking. I was traveling. Every, I, just so much stress and grief. So much grief. There's yeah. so much grief. Yeah. And, um, and having to tell your dad every two hours that his son died. He kept going to his room going, where's Kyle? 
every two hours because he and then he hears the information like it's the first time every time oh um, god it was so awful and so going through all that so like already going through infertility is already really bad going through a father with alzheimer's and a mother with dementia is really really hard then having your brother have die suddenly in the middle of all it's like oh my god and my mom also has a really bad leg infection so it's like oh my god there's so much going on and then juggling like trying to make money and have a career in la Fuck. And make your life work. I get so much. It's so much. Fuck. And our cat also at the same time, who's 19 years old. Our cat's 19. Oh my like, god! Hey, it needs to be put on an IV. So now we're having to give our cat an IV for two days. It's like, oh my god! Oh my Everyone god. stop dying for a second, please. Yes, please. please. We're trying to have a baby. Everyone please. stop dying. So even when I'm at home for a funeral, I, at the funeral, I tell my sister-in-law, who's married to my oldest brother, who's you know got his own issues going on. I said like we're going to try IVF. She burst into tears because she's also going through infertility at this point. She's too old to you know her eggs. Did are you say too your old. sister-in-law? Sister-in-law. Yeah, okay. married to my brother she starts crying when i even tell her a little bit and my older yeah. sister too waited too long with her husband so they also don't have kids so i'm the only one in my family to have a natural um baby if we can right. my eldest sister is adopted and she has two kids that she had at 18 in oh florida because florida you know oh my um, goodness but they're not of our of our natural blood birth but they're of course my nieces and of course our family and of course everything and but like 25 by now they're, they're literally war heroes they both like went to war and oh retired they god. own homes like they're totally grown-ups i was an aunt at 10 oh my god <laughs> at 10 years old i was a full-grown aunt um yeah so Anyway, oh so this is like God. our, but to have a, a natural baby in our family, I'm the only option at this point. So we're like, the pressure's on. So then we come back in May, do our egg retrieval, uh-huh. go through all the stuff. And again, I'm still grieving and all that stuff. Do the egg retrieval. We get 19 <gasps> eggs. Okay. 10 make it all the way to blastocyst and fertilize. Amazing. And beautiful. And oh they're, my God. And they're shocked. They're like, this looks beautiful. Everything's beautiful. Everything's beautiful. Now it's time to send them off for testing. Okay. <laughs> Genetic testing comes back. I have... They're all so messed up. There's not even mosaics. Like they're so messed up except for one. Oh and my one God. is like a CC. They're like, it's a CC or like CD, I think maybe. Uh-huh. They're but, like, but, but genetically it's normal? Genetically it's normal. Okay. And it's a girl, which we're really excited about because that's exactly what we wanted. Okay. We knew it was a genetic tested girl. We're like, yeah, that's what we want. Oh, because if you have a girl, they don't spread the cystic fibrosis gene of, of infertility. So even if, even if she has CF, they don't spread the infertility gene. If you have a CF gene boy... The possibility is he might be born with CF gene wow. fertility issues. Even even though I don't test positive for CF, I don't have anything. I learned that too early on. I don't have anything, which is great. Like yeah. they just said zero. You're like, perfect. You you would think, but I'm <laughs> older than dust and I drink a lot of wine. Um, that's that's why I kept telling myself like I'm fine, I'm fine. And then we found out shit. There's always something. And it's, yeah. And that was a big problem in our relationship too is that poor joe was like would you have still married me like he really did think that and he felt so bad he feels so bad that because of his thing i have to go through all the stuff Mm -hmm. and i know that's a very common thing for guys to feel when it's the when it's male factor that they feel so responsible because there's so little for the guys to do oh so to get my eggs extracted sorry they extracted my eggs and joe went through his testing at the exact same time at the exact same time on the table right and joe recorded his experience for me right hi this is joe Tessie procedure, you know, no one wants to be put under and have a needle shoved into their testicles, but that's what they're going to do. You're knocked out and then you wake up and uh, your balls are aching like you've been kicked as hard as someone can kick you. And it stays like that for about two days. You're supposed to rest on the couch for two days, three days. You just keep the ice on there and it aches and aches and aches. And then it starts to subside and you can go back to your day-to-day life after three days. There's a couple things that I would want to relay to my fellow males out there trying to conceive. Number one, 
Uh, I think with uh, the process Lauren and I went through, I really wish early on that the possibility of the male partner being um, sort of the source of infertility would have been explored up front because we suggested to two or three different doctors like, oh, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should get a sperm, you know, sperm count. And they said, no, statistically, you know, that's, that's really not the issue. You know, just relax and give it time and time it out. And I, I wish that I had just gotten a sperm count up front and realized that, uh, you know, I was dealing with an issue related to the cystic fibrosis gene. I'm also surprised that, um, you know, I've visited urologists in the past for different issues, um, you know, relatively minor issues. And I would have thought during, you know, those checkups that they would have discovered the fact that I had disconnected vas deferens and that uh, my swimmers could not get out into the flow to fertilize. So those are the really frustrating factors. The other thing to impress upon my male counterparts is that there shouldn't be any shame involved in this, and there shouldn't be any shame involved in infertility. I think that's kind of a medieval idea, like, you know, you are not passing on the lineage, and therefore your... Your presence in the world cannot be justified. You know, we live in the 21st century. It's the modern world. Uh, We're dealing with medical issues that I don't think should be tied up in social issues, that you're less of a man or anything like that. Even if it was a low sperm count, you're not less of a man. We're dealing with medical issues. So that's my feeling about it. Um, But definitely, as you go into the IVF or IUI procedures, whatever it is, definitely guys up front, even if they're like, no, you don't need a sperm count, just do it. And maybe just go see a urologist on your own because we really got blindsided with this. And it was very frustrating to learn after the fact. Yeah, so they went through at the same time because they wanted to know immediately if he didn't have any sperm, if he had zero sperm. We wanted to know right away because then we'd move on to sperm donor while I'm freezing my eggs. And we wanted to know right away. Um, So the second they're waking us both up, they're telling us if he has any sperm. And they're like, he has millions of them. There's millions. Which you never know at this point in the the testing process when they're going in there. So they're able to just do uh, aspiration. I cannot wait to look at this surgery. Surgery oh, you'd look it up. It's oh, disgusting. Yeah. But they do a small slit and then put a giant needle in there and aspirate. Uh-huh. Apparently, they're able to aspirate for him. They didn't have to do the actual extraction, which is taking tissue. Tissue, yeah, gotcha. which is a much speedier recovery. But um, so but they had to put us under at the same time. So we had to have friends drive us, and then we were both recovering from our egg retrieval and testing at the same time. That's on very like, cute. Help. So we had like soup there, matzo ball soup, and we're like, uh-huh. uh, but we were able to go through it together and re- you know recover for three days together, yeah. which was great. And I just never thought that that would be a thing in our lives. <laughs> and he has to wear. When you go through this procedure, you have to wear a jock strap with ice in it for, oh, gross. for days and I days. I mean, not days. gross, but ow. Ouch. And he, he ended up having to wear the jock strap for like two weeks because he's just had tenderness for a oh long my time. God. Like, and again, I was like, is it really hurting or is it like guy hurting? Well, you were supposed to stop giving him blowjobs, but oh, you couldn't no, stop. I just can't help myself. <laughs> well, also, that's the funny thing is like they keep joking about like you can have sex again. And I was like, do you realize they're... I am now married and infertile and we're going through these procedures. The last thing I want to do is have sex with my husband. The last thing. Well, the that's only... something I keep getting mad at because they don't tell me if I can have sex or not because I'm not married so right. they don't think I'm having sex. Yeah, you probably have way more sex than I do. Trust me. And <laughs> as a married lady. And uh, I only shave now for my doctor and my... <laughs> My doctor has seen my vagina way more than my husband in the last three years. <laughs> way more. Um, yeah, so he's all up in there. Uh, everyone in that office has seen my vagina more than my husband. Um, <laughs> I'm, who, who goes I'm to looking his... just in case. Okay. Woof, 
five minutes, honey. Oh my god. Okay. So oh, Jesus, there's too much. Oh my god. I could be a little bit late. Okay. So um, we get the testing procedure. Everything's great. Fertilized. We found out we only have one uh, normal tested embryo. Uh, they put it in. I felt a little pinch at one point during my uh-huh. uh, bed rest. I couldn't help myself. After seven days, I started home testing, uh-huh. and I immediately saw a positive. Amazing. Like, uh, but a faint. I know. Faint yeah. positive. But the first one was pretty darn like yeah. And then it got fainter and fainter. Oh. Then it, I went oh. in for my first beta, and it was ten. And she right away was like, huh, okay, well, huh. And then I went in for my second beta, and it was eight. Mm. So my doctor came in and said, you're going to have a miscarriage. And yeah. she used the term miscarriage because she was like, it's going to come out, and it's going to be a very difficult period. And she says, I'm using the term miscarriage because it is a chemical pregnancy. You were technically pregnant. Mm. And I'm sure you know this, that when you do get pregnant at this stage in IVF, you're actually two weeks pregnant already. It right. seems like, oh, I've only, I only got the thing put in me a week ago. But it's like, but you are further along because it's already an embryo. Yes. Right? Does Correct. that make sense? Right. Yes. So anyway, but... But the miscarriage feeling was very real. Like, because the cramping was so horrible, so terrible. And then, of course, I had a big cyst afterwards. Also, you're on progesterone, right? Progesterone and so shots. your lining, your lining is thicker than it would be in a regular period. And right. so I felt last month, my, my cramps lasted. And this was part of my, I was like really sad that, or really in a dark place at the beginning of January. All, all the shit I was going through with the family and the and decision making and all that. But I also had cramps. For a solid week. And oh, that's yeah. because I had just done the ERA. Mm-hmm. And so I had been on the progesterone shots. And it's so much, the cramps were so bad. Like my periods yeah. since this whole process started have been so bad, so painful. Yes, yeah. And I've always had very, very painful periods, but they're, they've been astronomical. Um, and then they made us wait for a little bit before we could try again. I right away asked, can we do mini IVF? Because I've been hearing oh. lots of things about mini IVF. Okay. And they said like over, women over 40 can sometimes respond better with lower dose hormones, especially lower if things. Especially PCOS. Especially if PCOS. Because I think I got overstimulated because I was really, really, I had all sorts of weird side effects of overstimulation afterwards. Oh. And so I was like, I think I need less medicine. And right away, they're like, no, 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 you're fine. This is the wrong reaction. Just do IVF again. Now you're in the right place to do it again. <sighs> so they're like, let's just keep going. And they have my husband's sperm too. So like, I don't want to just change offices because they have my husband's sperm. So like, they're like, let's go again right away as soon as you can, as soon as there's no cysts. So they had to wait for all my cysts to go down. And we're like, well, we have to wait to get money. Then I lost my SAG insurance. So all the testing suddenly becomes expensive. I get universal insurance. Universal goes, we cover it. <gasps> but we only covered HRC. So then now this is September. We're moving over to HRC. We do all of our stuff there. And then as we're leaving HRC, they went, sorry, by the way, you were turned down. You're not NBC Universal. You're Universal Theme Park. We don't cover you after all. This is after you st- moved everything over there? And already had a $350 out-of-pocket appointment. So then I was like, shit. So we moved back to our old doctors because they still have Joe's sperm, which costs a lot of money to transfer it anyway. Yeah. So I was like, shit, let's just go back to our old doctor. So now we've lost a month. Oh I got my God. hopes up thinking we're going to have a full ride because they were like, you have a full rounds of IVF. I was oh like, oh my God. God. And, and I was on cloud nine for a month and then boom, back to zero, back to no money. Oh my back God. To, oh my God. So we go back, we raise money again. Weirdly enough, I get another weird gig falls in my lap Amazing. to help cover a little bit of my money. Joe asks his family for another half of the money, and oh they're like God. getting a little weird at this point because also they're very Catholic and kind of against the whole idea anyway. Yeah, they're kind of like, well, maybe God's trying to tell you that kind of yes. thing is starting to enter. Uh-huh. But I'm like, mm. so he gets a little bit of money from them. We get a loan, um, and then uh, oh God, I'm so sorry. This is so no, much. I feel so, bad for you because you have no. To leave. It's okay. So we do IVF round two. Uh, she right away tells me, I'm sorry, it took two hours almost under. They had to keep me under a really long time. Your eggs were really stuck. They were really sticky. And right away as I'm waking up and I'm really out of it, she's like, this is not good. I'm just going to tell you right away, sticky eggs are not good. It's not a good sign. I'm already kind of preparing you. I've never heard that before. They have to like really scrape them out. And apparently she's like, they were just really stuck. They just wasn't, they just weren't coming out like they do normally. Any other things that they told you about that? No, I'd never heard about that before. She's like, instead of just being able to kind of rinse them out, they had to like really re- scrape them out. And so right away, she's like, that means the quality is probably much lower. Because at this point now, I'm almost a year older. Right. 
Okay, so this confused me. So I texted a reproductive endocrinologist who listens to the show, and she said she'd never heard of this before. So she texted her embryologist, and this is what her embryologist wrote back. Doesn't mean anything. At least I've never seen any data. Can make it hard to inject the sperm through the egg's inner membrane. Have to manipulate the needle more. Doesn't mean anything as far as quality. Dark, grainy, vacuolated, pitted, fragmented, fragile membranes. That's poor egg quality. Not sure sticky cytoplasm or inner ulema membranes correlate to poor quality. Just difficult to micromanipulate. Then I told her a little bit more about what Lauren's doctor had said, and then the RE responded by saying, maybe she had a lot of follicles that didn't contain eggs, meaning that they were still attached to the wall of the follicle and not floating in the fluid. That is a maturity issue. Okay, so what happens when they go in for the eggs is that the egg has to be mature enough to fall off of the inner wall of the follicle and be floating in the fluid inside the follicle, but not have ruptured from the follicle yet so that it's off, you know, going down the fallopian tube. So it's got like this small window. So in my mind, that means Lauren's doctor messed up the timing and went in there too early when the egg was still attached to the wall. And that makes me grumpy. Oh, but I could be completely wrong. Maybe maybe they did everything perfectly. Then, of course, they did genetic testing. And, oh, again, 14 eggs 14 retrieved. Eggs. Regular made, stimulation. Regular stimulation, 10 made it to blastus, 9 survived and went all the way to testing, which oh, is great. Amazing. Zero normal. Zero normal, not even kind of viable, not even mosaic. Zero. So then I'm crying. I'm sarcastic and mean this time when I go into the office and Joe is like not saying anything. And she's like, we should just move on to donor. She just says it right away. And I was like, what about mini IVF? She's like, well, that's an option too. Yeah, mini IVF could work. And she, now I'm convincing her to do mini IVF. But she right away is like, just do donor. Don't even try anymore. But I was like, but I'm making all these eggs. And also for me, moving on a donor is such a side. It's, to me, I right away was like, well, why wouldn't I just adopt a kid? I have a sister who's adopted. Adoption's the same thing to me as yeah. a donor egg. Yeah. Why? She's like, well, if you want to be pregnant, and then she goes, well, at least it'd be Joe's kid. But you don't, you don't matter as long as Joe gets a baby. Like that's the way she kind of phrased it, which I know is not what she meant. But then I was like, can we please try mini IVF as a last resort? She's like, sure. So we're gonna try it. But she's like, you're gonna be 43 by that time. By the time you raise the money, now I just turned 43, and it's like, yeah. shit, I'm so old now, and like, just so that I didn't start earlier. And so we're now and, on the path and so to try mini IVF. And mini IVF is minimal stimulation. Minimal stimulation. And how far um, along are you with that process? Oh. Uh, Zero. We've just started laying the groundwork to try to get the money and get a loan. Okay, because I have a thing I want to talk to you about. We'll talk about that. That'd be great. So now we're going to. But I'm I'm going to have this guy on my podcast in a week or two. He owns a clinic that only does that. Really. The other thing I was thinking of, I was like, can we do mini IVF? If that doesn't work, can we try IUI with a sperm donor just to try? And since I do still have some eggs and then go to a donor, egg donor, if we decide to have natural birth, I don't know. I, I'm left with, I don't know, and so confused and so frustrated and so mad. And um, just know, you guys, that Tessie procedure <laughs> works, but male factor infertility is a real thing and be your own advocate because I wasn't early enough. Yes. I wish we would have found this out much earlier. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling us all of that. And I, what a fucked up yeah. hard. Try not to have anyone die during your Yeah, tell IVF. all the people you know not to die. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just been through so much, though. So I yeah. just. Uh, and when uh, the day. You're, I, you're a champion. I mean. You. The same week I found out I didn't uh, get any natural eggs or natural embryos. The same, same week I found out our. That's our devastating. Uh, my best friend had her baby and I got to hold her baby the same 
day that okay. I found out I didn't have any eggs. That's good. <laughs> any That's embryos. Good. And I was like, I'm crying for so many reasons. Your baby's so beautiful and I'm yeah. so jealous. Yeah. I love her so much and they have just a beautiful, and they just got pregnant the first time they tried. Oh my God. 36. You know, yeah. it's not like you're mad at anybody for no. these things. It just hurts. Just, I love her so much. I love the baby so much and I'm so envious. It hurts my yeah. stomach. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. And she's amazing. She deserves it. But oh. <sighs> Well, you're off to do one of your millions of jobs. I have a weird gig I'm doing now, yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you so much again. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I talked so fast and so no, much. No, I know. And I'm so glad that I got to know you a little bit more. And Thank we have you. more to talk about. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. I'm going to go Thank talk you. to Lauren now. <laughs> Bye. Holy free holies. Lauren, I cannot believe all of those stories. And I can't believe that's your life. <laughs> that sounds rude. But I mean it in the, like, the, I just admire your strength. I'm so sorry you had to condense your whole, like, the last few years into 45 minutes. I wish that we had had three hours so that you wouldn't have had to rush. But you are, uh, your strength is really inspiring, and uh, I know you'll keep going. And I'm just so happy that I got to know you better, so thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And thank you, Joe, for uh, telling us about Tessie. Now, folks, it's the end of the episode, Monday evening. And yes, I did hear from Dr. Chung. I have results. Are you ready? Because it's inconclusive. What does that mean? Well, the HCG went up from 5.98 to 26.3. But don't get excited because even though, according to Dr. Chung, this is a pretty significant rise from where it was on Friday... Also, according to Dr. Chung, in terms of timing relative to the date of the transfer, this is still a really low number, and she's concerned. Honestly, the way the conversation was, it really doesn't seem like she's even considering the idea of a viable pregnancy. I think she said that she's about 90% sure it's not going to be viable, but she can't take me off the fertility meds until they can say so definitively. So I'm going in for another blood test on Friday, and until then, I need to continue on my progesterone butt shots, the vaginal progesterone suppositories, which I do have a funny story about. I'll tell you next episode. (laughs) Uh, Oral estrogen and oral thyroid medicine. So what might be going on down there? Well, it could be a normal pregnancy that's just having a very, very slow start, but if it does become a healthy pregnancy, it's going to need to catch up big time. More likely, it's going to be a chemical pregnancy. But the third possibility is that it's an ectopic pregnancy. It's hard to diagnose an ectopic pregnancy when it's so early. Sometimes you can tell if the HCG numbers climb slowly or if they're erratic and go up and down. I think I said this earlier. If this is an ectopic pregnancy, then they're going to treat me with a methyltrexate injection, which apparently is a chemotherapy agent. And here's the kicker. If I take the chemo agent, I won't be allowed to try to get pregnant for another three months. (gasps) Oh, motherfucker. My mom and I had a good laugh about that one. So anyway, the plan is I continue my meds and do my blood test on Friday. If my HCG does not get to at least 300, then I'll stop the meds and let my body do its thing, which will most likely be a period. Why 300? Well, on Friday, I will technically be five weeks pregnant, and Dr. Chung said she's never seen a baby born with an HCG level that low at five weeks. 
Okay, now, if the HCG is over 300, then we have some interesting times ahead of us. Of course, there will be some excitement, but it will have to be very, very tempered, because if my HCG can get from 5 to 300 or more in just 7 days, that's a bit of an erratic jump and could further indicate an ectopic pregnancy. Oh my. So the next step in that scenario would be to do an ultrasound the next week to see if they can spot the location of the embryo to determine if it's in the uterus or the fallopian tube. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is it, I think. Hold on, let me just make sure. Yeah, that's it. Now, the question is, what do I think is happening? Well, I think uh, in this very moment, I'm pregnant, and that's a nice thought, and I'll stick with that. I do think that because I was testing my urine and the line is so light and it doesn't seem to be getting darker, I don't think that my my number is going to go up. But hey, I'm kind of pregnant for now. And uh, it's better than not being pregnant, sort of. So I'm okay with it. Really, I am. Okay, well, I'm going to go now. You know where to find me. Email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Text me or leave me a voicemail at 323-741-1818. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Spermcast. And of course, you can always join the Patreon and find out what's going on in real time. So on Friday, you know, if you join the Patreon now, you'll know what's going on with me on Friday. And of course, the easiest way to support the podcast is to tell all your friends about it and to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That's it, everybody. I love you so much. You know, thanks for thanks for sticking with me. I really appreciate it. Kisses. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay to straight, black to white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 